What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. So Russ, back when you introduced infinite banking to me in 2010, you had spent a year driving all over town, all around the country, flying to different events and, and conferences, talking to the experts in infinite banking. Tell me about that experience. <laughs> One, I didn't drive across town. There was nobody, there was nobody local <laughs> that I knew of at the time outside of Nelson Nash. And he was always flying places. So he was hard to kind of nail down. So I did get a couple couple opportunities to meet with him. So I guess I did drive a little bit. But yeah, I, man, I interviewed a ton of people because the today's conversation is on really kind of what we would say advanced expert only type information when it comes to infinite banking. And I was at the I wasn't even a beginner. Like I, I was just trying to understand what the concept meant. And you're right, Joey. I, I was calling people. I was jumping on at the time. There really wasn't like zoom was not a thing. I'm trying to even remember what we were using, <laughs> what platform go to meeting. I think that was the, that, that was the go-to go to platform. Skype maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was Skype. It was one of those that was highly antiquated. And I remember one time though, we actually were able to get a guy to drive to us and he lived about five hours, which I'm still trying to figure out why in the world did that dude drive up to us to spend time <laughs> with us? I think because there was like an insurance company that we were doing business with that he was doing business with. And the guy like promised him a steak dinner or something. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> anyway, he, he came up. And so he did about like an hour presentation to us on infinite banking, right? Like I was thinking, He's going to cover the the 101 type stuff, the 201 stuff, Joey. And I didn't even know the right questions. Sometimes they say when you're trying to learn something, you don't get the right answers because you don't have the right questions. Right. I, I had read enough. I had watched enough videos of the, the think tanks that went on. I felt like I had a decent amount of the right questions. And so I started asking him, hey, well, let me – Help me understand, like when someone takes a loan and they go to repay it, exactly how does that process work? You know what his response was? I have no idea. That's exactly what his response was. Oh. <laughs> and now I didn't mean if, that as my answer. <laughs> no, I know. But you know, like there, there's a lot of times where somebody might ask you and I now, like, hey, how does this thing work and you you or I may say I don't know or I don't have any idea because we haven't done it in so long that someone else has been doing it for as we would say you know it's possibly has it's changed since we were handling this let's get you on the phone with one of our team members who does this all the time right. no that was not his response that was not his reason because he was a one man shop it was I've never had anybody take a loan what and I was like wait a second I 
is it the concept of infinite banking when you borrow against your life insurance in order to do things with it through loans? He goes, yeah, that's what it is. I was like, and how long have you been like, are you, did you just start this too? Like, wait a second. Why are you teaching me? And he's like, no, I've been doing this for three or four years. I'm like, oh my goodness. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> and I guess my point to that, Joey, is when we say experts only, a lot of times over the years, I've heard people say, hey, by the way, I've been working with so-and-so or I'm talking to so-and-so and they say that they understand if in the banking, they're an expert, they got it. And today's subject matter is not us trying to be experts. It's us talking about expert ways people use the infinite banking concept. And the fact that we've been doing it long enough, we have high levels of expertise. We are always wanting to strive to learn more. But I do think that you always have to be cautious as to what people say versus what people do. 100%. Today, we actually break down into three buckets, the 301 level conversation. Uh, We start with business ventures. How does this apply in business ventures at a high level? How does this apply when it comes to windfalls that happen naturally throughout our lifetime? And number three, the third point is thinking long range. What is your 100-year plan and how does IBC help you to implement a plan like that simply? And I think... There were so many good takeaways, so many good stories of clients and their success, um, things that we've been personally able to implement and and otherwise. And so I, I just really feel like you're going to get a lot out of this. If it's too high for you, like if it's something you're like, man, I'm just a newbie at IBC, that's okay. Skip this episode and go to, to one of the basic episodes on infinite banking so you can start leveling up or join one of our masterminds because that's where you start to level up and invest in yourself. So without further ado, Russ, we have to get to the meat of the episode. Let's get up to the table and belly up. up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, Don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so you can more easily understand them, and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time in the room, welcome. Glad to have you. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of follow-through guy just didn't sound so cool to me. But enough about me for a moment. Let me introduce you to my co-host, my partner, the Italian Stallion. He's got the license plate cover to prove it, Mr. Joey Murray. Stallion. Good afternoon. Yes, sir. Good to see you. Stallion today is all about experts only when it comes to infinite banking. Why is that so important? And we got to take this thing to the next level, the next episode, as they say, right? This one goes to 11, as you like to say, Russ. (laughs) This is where we're not going 101. We're not going 201. We're going level 301 on you. And it's okay. If you've never heard the term IBC, infinite banking, that's what we do. 
That's what we do to help people get started on their journey to financial freedom. When they start putting capital into their own control. And if you haven't already done that, you need to learn more about it. Go to our website or go and meet with one of these fantastic coaches. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call and get yeah. started today. I, we definitely need to put a disclaimer here. If this is your first time hearing the infinite banking concept, press pause, <laughs> go to another episode first. Spend a, spend a little bit of time before listening to this one, because this is not something you should tread off on. This is like when I went skiing for the first time in about 12 years, I had done maybe four runs. I'm chasing my brother-in-law who skis all the time down the mountain. And all of a sudden he's like, he's skied around a slope and he's at a chair lift and he's sitting there like waving at me. And so I come around, I'm flying in there. And as we, as we go to get onto the chair lift, I see behind him what he was blocking was the signs that said experts only blacks and double blacks only down. And wow. I'm like, bro, why, why? And he's like, Oh, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. Well, it was not fine. It did it not work not out. Fine. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it took a, it took a lot longer. It was a lot more painful coming down than I would have liked it to be. So the same thing is true today. Like the concepts, and ideas we're going to share come from where we have been working in as long as 12 or 13 years personally. And we're going to share with you personal stories, stories of clients and others that we're watching and helping do this. But we want to expand your vision, give you ideas. Some of you have been doing this for a while. Maybe you are in that intermediate level. And we'll talk about what that is so that way when you do want to step into that next level, you are ready because be honest, like I don't like to do greens and blues anymore. Like I want to see some black and double black in my, in my skiing time. And I think that that's where we are with IBC, but enough about us, Joey, thankfully we're not the only ones sitting at the table, right? We're joined by the dream team of financial coaches to my left, Mr. Incredible. His superpower is speed to financial freedom. And the real beauty to that speed is it's contagious. My man, J.D. Hill. Say hello to your fans, J.D. Hey, fans. Listen, listen. If you have been listening to the podcast for the past two weeks, and now you're listening to it today, you know that introduction was perfect and spot on <laughs> relative to, 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 to the last two weeks. So, Russ, I am so glad that you are back. Man, I love you, you Joey. I do. I, I feel the shame. It's okay. I, I deserve it. <laughs> It, it, it's it's beautiful to have you here. Thank you, JD, for for saying that. I I love what I do, man, and I love just being able to be able a hype guy for you, man. The gas so, man. So I mean, speaking of IBC expert, man, you're you're my go-to guy a lot of times when it comes to questions on the details. Tell me why today's topic is so important. I think it's important because uh, there's a lot of posers out there. Um, you know, people that. Um, think they know IBC, but, but don't really know it. They use it as a widget uh, or, or a shiny object um, and not uh, correctly in terms of, uh, um, you know, where it's, where it's actually a fit versus where it's not. Uh, and I think that um, when you really understand IBC and, and, and the power that it can do for your financial journey to get you to financial freedom, um, man, it's, it is, uh, um, it's fantastic. Hmm. Love that. All right. Well, to your left, I got a true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I would only known him earlier, I've been so much richer, says everybody. Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. Nice to see you, Ern. Nice to be seen, Russ. 
grateful to be here. I feel I have something to learn today. Why? Why do you say that? I, I just know that there's going to be great ideas shared. I don't <laughs> pretend to have heard them all. <laughs> well, I mean, you've heard a bunch of them, bro. You've been around me for a long time. I mean, I, I, you and I have been bouncing IBC off each other for the last, what, six years? And yeah. I, I, I would say the student has become the teacher in a lot of ways in our conversation. I don't know. We'll find out in the next 20 minutes or so. <laughs> well, let's, let's let's don't take any more time. Let's get to the retiree of our group. Mr. Catch Me If You Can. He's not killing bears with his bare hands or spear diving for tuna. He's dropping gold nuggets. The one and only Mark Haraguchi. Welcome, Mark. Afternoon, everybody. Another uh, dude it is summer is finally here and I am excited because the sun is out and it's time to put the guns out. It's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> time Man. for a wedding. Hey. You you gotta roll up the sleeves to get in the get get in the you know the the trenches right like so here here's the thing with Mark I, I you have challenged me every time we've talked about infinite banking because you do taking that that pilot's viewpoint you think of the contingencies you're always looking for the opportunity but also protecting yourself along the way why do you think today's podcast is going to be so important. I think this is going to be really good because, well, first off, I never want to be mistaken for an expert. Uh, I am in no way, shape or form an expert. I always want to be a student. Uh, and if we go back to the, the three years I spent in Japan, uh, when, when you would take a, a, a check ride in Japan, so whether you're getting your license or your annual check ride or just a, a ride along where the inspector was there, the best you could hope for was almost good. Like for, for, for the examiner to say, hmm, Russell song, almost good. That was like, oh, dude, you did it. You nailed it. And I remember us being foreigners, we get there, we're like, well, almost good. Are you kidding? I crushed that check ride. Like I nailed that. I greased it onto the runway. I hit all my points. I was, I was within all the parameters, if not tighter. I'm like, what are you talking about? Almost good. And then we had it explained to us. Well, if you're almost good then you will continually be challenged to try to get to good. And so never having that arrival syndrome, always, you know what? Always just knock that peg down just a little bit so that it, so that it keeps trying to, to get a little bit taller. And so that's what I, I, I want you to get out of this today is keep striving. And we're gonna talk about some really cool ideas and some things that have happened along the way to help illustrate some of those points. Well, I, I love the humility and I love the fact that we are need to always be challenged to do it. But I will also say, Mark, if I ever got on an airplane with you and as you were greeting me as I was getting on and you said, hey, by the way, I'm not an expert. I'm turning around and walking <laughs> off that plane. <laughs> the plane got empty quick. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm get just getting started. From. I get where you come from. All right. So Stallion, let's, let's really quickly, let's give structure, right? So I want to talk about what we're going to be talking 301 today. Yep. What is 101? Well, I think if you, you think about understanding infinite banking at the very base level starts with understanding that your capital or your cash has a cost. Uh, Nelson In Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, that's where all of this has come from when Russ and I were introduced to this back in 2009. And the basic line he says is you, you're, you're either paying interest for borrowing somebody else's money, or you are giving up interest when you pay cash. 
And so understanding that very baseline is number is 101. I think the biggest obstacle that we need to get to financial freedom is access to cash. That's a baseline understanding. Um, this process of allowing our cash to always be growing. Like that's a, when you understand that you're in the financial Tesla, if you will, the one that allows you to do two things at once, to grow money, uh, your cash grow and your investments grow at the same time. That is a one-on-one feature. What, what else am I missing? No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. No reason to overdo it. Uh, Mark, let's talk about 201. What's that intermediate? What's those, what's those blue runs and small black runs? Now that you've got your, your, your foundational piece, right? 101 is you've gone through the bunny hills. You know how to lace up your gear. You know how to get on and off the lift. Because let's face it, if, if we're using a skiing or a snowboarding analogy, uh, that's probably the hardest thing is getting on and off the lift for most people. So now that you know how to get on and off the lift, well, let's take it to the next level. Let's start expanding the system. If you figured out how to work this on yourself, now it's time to start looking at how can we build this out? How can we start implementing family into this, uh, building on spouses, children, um, just getting creative with how we can grow because the larger the pot we can make, the bigger the soup we can have. Mm. No, well, well, well done. And and by the way, as you as you step off those and you get into three hundred one level, that's when you start ducking under sides and trying to hit big jumps. Remember some of those uh, runs we were on, Mark, <laughs> where it starts to get stupid. You're like, why did I do this? But I mean, so again, I'm I'm just putting a disclaimer out there. We're about to get into some experts only stuff. So the three hundred one is when we really start breaking down. How do we Im implement this into our businesses? Because as we start operating companies, investing in operating companies, investing in syndication, investing in deals, we want to start looking at how can we incorporate? Because I feel like, Joey, if we were doing it as a percentage, what percentage do you think the 101, how much of someone's income is going into infinite banking probably in the 101 phase? I'd say it's probably around less than 10%. Okay. Mark, what would you say when they get into 201, before they get to experts only, at what percentage are people really allocating to infinite banking, you think? Ballpark. Now you're pushing probably 15, if not getting to 20%. Yeah, totally. Now, I'm not, I'm not leaving you two out of the conversation, J.D. Ernie. I'm coming to you. But I, I feel like as you see the deal flow, you see opportunities within your business, your eyes now are seeing opportunity for infinite banking all around you. I would just remember you, Stallion, calling me up and be like, hey, what about this? What about this? Can I do this? Why didn't you tell me about this? Right. Like you, you just you're you're all over. And I was like, I know that's that's we knew this was going to come, but it, you had to start somewhere. And then you start saying, well, can't I take a loan against my 401k? <laughs> can I fund a policy this way? What if I refinance my house and I took the cash from it? Right. Yeah, exactly. What, yeah. You, you got people coming to you and say, hey, I'm getting ready to sell a business in the next five years. I'm going to need a place for that money. Can I start a policy and just, you know, take loans against it so I have a big enough loan for that? Hey, I, I'm trying to build my 100 year plan out. And I, I want to figure out a way that this is going to be funded for years to years to come in foundations and trust and all that stuff. Okay. Right. That's so right. that's where we're going with the 301. So I want to 
I'm going to come to you, Ern. I want to talk a little bit about business ventures. I know you you help a lot of business owners. They're they're coming to you and they're asking you questions. Can you give me an example of of how you've seen in a more advanced level happen from a business venture perspective? Yeah, and it, before I go to that, I actually want to go back because you didn't okay. give me the opportunity. And I I by the way, I fully agree that where where we are today, maybe ten percent of of cash flows is going to the 101 level and then building from there but i would also believe that when we start infinite banking we want to start with the most important cash flows in the family and so it, we could think of this on a timeline as well not just a percentage of cash but on a timeline where we want to use infinite banking to control our own stuff and once we can meet our own needs of finance then we can look to the next level and then to the next level so when we get now to the to the need of I've got an opportunity in my business because of what I've learned and discovered about infinite banking about controlling my own stuff, now the door is open for business. I think in my experience, there's there's really two two things at play. One business owner who's who's just looking to control his own stuff, and so that looks like what what cash flows are being held in escrow, what cash flows are being set aside for a rainy day. And what cash flows can I can I reinvest in my business at a later time? Those are things that a business owner can begin to control over a long period of time using insurance policies to then finance things back to the business. The second type of business owner is one that I was meeting with this morning, is the one who has built a, 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 an amazingly profitable business and is kicking off all sorts of cash flow that they want to now really beef up the infinite banking system in their life so that they can be pulling cash because they want to take that very active income for them and be deploying that into other business ventures to create passive income streams. And so that type of business owner is in a really growth expansion in other businesses. I love that. How about you, JD? I guess what's the, ask the question a different way. So you're working with business owners who have started infinite banking at some of the highest levels. I mean, seven figures a year they're putting in premium, right? And yeah, for some right. people that like, that's, that's a blowing their mind kind of idea to even think of, right? I mean, the first yeah. policy I started, I was putting in $2,000 a month and I thought, I'm an idiot, but man, this is, I, I, I'm just going to trust what I'm doing is right. Yeah. To, 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 to grow my mindset, to think about putting in seven figures a year. Okay. So in some of those scenarios, talk about the way those business owners were able to do that, why they were doing that and some of the unique things that are happening because that becomes advanced level when you're there. That's right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, first and foremost, they, they have access to cash sitting on the sidelines, right? So they're not consuming every dollar that's coming in. Um, and, you know, I think there's basically, from my perspective, at least one of two ways that you can expand, you know, what you're doing, you can either A, invest into your business, or you can invest into some passive income source. And, um, you know, generally for a business owner, the best return you can get is investing back into your business. Right. Um, I mean, we all do. We all know that I can take a dollar, put it in my business and turn it into two dollars. I mean, that's a great ROR. 
Uh, and for a business owner, knowing that they always need access to capital, well, if they're already naturally running money through a checking account, like if that's already the natural process of what they're doing, taking money from that place and using it into an independent banking policy is a natural progression or natural next step. If we can connect the dots on how to do that in a clean and efficient way. And I think that's the biggest thing is being able to help them understand and unlock that piece of their brain on, okay, if, if I'm already doing it from a, from a, from a business checking account, this time I'm paying employees, this time I'm paying for materials, this time I'm paying for expenses, this time I'm paying for marketing. You're saying that I can do that out of an IBC policy, but yet my money is still growing and doing two things at once. And the answer is yes, absolutely. Right. We just have to structure it correctly. Uh, we have to make sure that there's enough liquidity to be able to do those types of things. Um, and so it gives the, the entrepreneur and the business owner uh, a lot of confidence knowing that they're not losing access to their capital, that their capital is actually still at work while they're investing in their business. Right. So it's just, it's just an educational piece of, of helping bridge the gap and then linearly showing them how to do that by, by, by drawing it out, which I think is, is from a visual standpoint is super helpful. Stallion. What, what do you think? Right? How, how are how are you seeing business owners utilize this at an advanced level? Well, I'll say this: we're not we're not the smartest guys uh, around, but we learn from banks. What do banks do at the highest of levels? And we've we've mentioned this on other shows. Everybody you meet in a bank is a vice president. Did you ever notice that? Like the guy that's doing the janitorial services, vice president of janitorial services. And you're like, I don't even understand why this person has this title. The reason is, is because each key person in that bank, the, the bank now has the ability to insure against the loss of that key person. And if that's the case, now there's the reason why they're storing billions of dollars in life insurance. They have the ability to do it because they have a multitude of lives that they can insure. So in that case, what we've done is we just said the same thing. When, when Russ and I um, started uh, one of our passive income businesses, we had a key operator. We still have a key operator that 99% of the business falls or grows based on this person. And it would, it would behoove us to say, we have to go ahead and put our capital to work somewhere. The capital is being kicked off of this, you know, seven figure business has to go somewhere. And simultaneously, we need to insure against the loss of this person. And so key man structure in business ventures is critical, right? When you get to that level and you start seeing that this is one of the biggest potential losses for this business, I've got to insure against that loss. And, and we've been able to do that. And we've seen multitude of other uh, business owners that we help do the same thing. This podcast is amazing. Almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what is it costing you to not know? What is it costing you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our Passport Challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Get started today.
Well, one of the ways I, I've sat there and seen business owners do this, so they, they've gone down the path where they, yeah, they insured themselves, they insured their family, and then all of a sudden they started, you know, expanding their businesses. And I can just think of one guy in general where he opened two separate businesses and immediately he was thinking to himself, I've got opportunity here that I need to protect this, you know, this, this new business venture. And he, he came to me and said, hey, how do I, one, attract people to come and work with me? But two, how do I get it to where, you know, I'm protecting my business in the event they were to die? And, <laughs> and now I think that Joker keep, keeps wanting to open businesses just to buy new insurance policies. <laughs> right? because he's like sending emails to prospective people. And he's like, hey, by the way, I need you to uh, work with my insurance guy. Uh, <laughs> JD, I think you know who we're talking about. And <laughs> he, he's saying, you know, hey, uh, and the guy's like, well, what? tell me again, you know, why do I need to do this? And he's like doing investment deals and he's asking all these questions. So it, it opens up an opportunity where you say, I don't, I want income coming from this business to be protected. I mean, whenever I learned about this early on, Megan was running a dental practice and I thought to myself, like, Hey, the way we incentivize employees within your company, some key employees is that, we we need to ensure that they do not leave right like the best people that that work with you you're what um darren hardy would say they're a players right you got to find ways to retain them and some of the coolest strategies that we were able to build early on were these plans where we were doing these dual executive uh reward benefit plans for our employees where we were yes we were buying insurance on them as a key man but then we were setting up this special agreement that said if they stay X period of time, there was this huge windfall on the back end. And so we were able to design this and communicate what that windfall looked like. And really all it was is taking a portion of the money that naturally we may have given them in a raise, if you will, and sitting it off to the side in this account. The difference of it though, because a lot of employees, Joey, as you know, employers will, will either give it to them directly or give it to them indirectly by putting it where? 401k. In a 401k. Yeah. Well, if the employee walks away tomorrow, what happens to the money they put in a 401k? It goes with them. The, the, the employee takes the money with them, right? So what we were sharing with the business owners is through this strategy that we've been able to build, we actually can not only make sure that if they don't stay the time frame allotted, they forfeit the money. So then when they go to leave and they say, well, I can get an extra $5 an hour, you know, extra $15,000 a year to go work at this new company. Great. But what is it that they're giving up? Oh, wow. I'm giving up 40 grand that's in an account. And by the way, if I stayed here, it's going to be worth 250 grand in six years or 10 years or whatever the time frame is. And so then it's like, ooh, it, it puts a, a, a real kicker into thinking, man, what would that look like? Because even if they were putting that kind of the new employers putting that money in a 401k, when can they touch it, Joey? Oh, when they're 65. Yeah. Yeah. Not until they retired. Right. Yeah. As compared to when do most people want to spend money, Earn? Later or now? I like to spend money right now. Yes. Yeah. And so the window of an opportunity to have access to 100 grand, 200 grand, 500 grand in the next five to 10 years becomes really appealing right so we were able to help 
build these structures. And the business owner, J.D., you and I were talking about a second ago, he was able to do that. But what he did or what he did not do was give up access to the money because who owns the plan? The business employee or the, yeah, the business does. So then he can use that money to invest in the company. And part of the agreement is, is that I will pay you out as long as you meet this um, requirement, unless what Joey? What do you mean? Unless the the business is bankrupt. It doesn't exist. Right. So you and I have a vested interest in the company succeeding. Right. So the employee is trying to do everything they can to make sure the business succeeds. Right. And so I'm going to invest in the business so that it succeeds and that I can pay you this out at the end of this time frame. I feel like we need to do a whole podcast just on that one topic, Russ. Like uh, go back over it. Yeah, you're right. We probably need to do that. But the, the point is, is that there becomes advanced strategies just within the business owner itself of how we can utilize this so many different ways, but we don't have time for all of that. We got to, we got to jump into strategy number two, which is the concept of windfalls. Now, Mark Nelson Nash wrote a book that, um, that, that really went through in depth windfalls, right? It was building your warehouse of wealth. And he talked about windfalls a little bit. What are some ways that you are seeing people utilize the windfalls concept? There's a couple, uh, one of, my my clients it was really interesting. He where we set up his policy and we we looked at the you know the the five and the, and the ten year projections and he said, hey, this is really cool. He goes because in about ten years, I'm planning on selling my business, and he has you know red box uh, kiosks, uh, water machines, ice vending machines, and he had a number in mind in about you know ten years what he believed that business would be worth. And it just so happened that when we built the policy, it was going to be just about that much. And he's like, oh, cool. So basically, you know, the, the money that I'm funneling into this is, is going to be kind of like the, the the value of that. And I said, well, yes and no, but you're going to be using this cash value along the way to grow your business, right? And he said, well, yeah, I'm going to move into other things. I said, all right, so when you sell your current businesses, what are you going to do with all that money? And he said, well, I, I guess I would just have it. I said, yeah, well, if, if you did it that way, if all you did was stick with your businesses and you just had the cash in there and you sold it, well, then in about 10 years, you're going to have this huge lump sum of cash and you're not going to what to do. I said, but if we use this strategy of moving some of our cash into this system now, we can build this pool of dollars that we can borrow against, continue to build for future resource and growth. I go, guess what? If you sold your business in 10 years, you'd be able to repay all those loans. And now your business funded your ongoing cash flowing systems. So all you did was just move the pot along and it just got bigger and bigger. And he's like, oh, yes, okay. So from that example, I mean, that that was the, the icing on the cake for him. Can I add to that a little bit, Russ? No, please. I mean, in, in light of that windfall in the sale of a business, one one other kind of small caveat that we were able to help a client with um, a number of years back, it's probably been about five years or six years ago, they were selling a, a partial interest in their dental um, practice. They'd already sold the first two pieces, just a, a three-part um, you know, piece, and they knew that the third one was going to be sold in about 10 years. 
And at the time, they didn't have additional capital to start a new policy, but they knew that that windfall was coming. And so they used one of their other policies to borrow against to create a new policy with dollars today. Break that down a little bit, because that's that's a hefty. This is, by the way, ding, 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 experts only. Don't be calling us <laughs> if you're still in the one-on-one level on this one. But break that okay. down, Joe. Okay, so they were, let me, let me say this differently. They were purposely creating a loan balance against one of their existing policies. Let's say that that policy had half a million dollars of cash in it, right? And they were trying to project out and say, I'm going to have a $700,000 windfall in 10 years. I'm just, these are just for instance numbers. So they start borrowing against the first policy that had the cash in it to start a new policy today. Uh, And every year they're not repaying the loan. They're leaving that loan to continue to grow and to to get bigger and bigger so that they have a place to park the 700,000 from the sale of their business in 10 years. Uh, so let, let's, let me, let me add a little structure for those who are running down the treadmill and are like trying to process CNN, Fox News, ESPN, and Joey at the same time. All right. So <laughs> first of all, who's who? <laughs> well, you know, like, I mean, you're, you have to be multi-personality to run on treadmills and gyms because you've got every single thing running on TV screens in front of you. It's, it is a disaster constantly. My wife usually gets on it. She takes a picture with like a laughing emoji about what's going on on one as compared to the other. Cause they're saying, talk about the same thing with two different uh, outcomes. But what Joey's saying is basically what they're doing is they're moving money out of their right pocket into pocket number two. A, a brand new insurance policy that they start, but they're not inter- injecting new money. But what they're doing is they're creating a place that will, will will have the ability for the new money to come. So, Joe, in your example, so if they started with seven hundred thousand in cash value in bucket number one, and every year they start moving that over into this other one, by the end of year ten, mm-hmm. as you just using your example. They've gotten the whole 700000 and any interest or dividends, whatever, into bucket number two, but they have a loan against bucket number one for 700000 That's right. And now, what is the benefit again? Why, when they sell the business and, and they net 700000 why is it a benefit to have a $700,000 loan against bucket number one? Well, the benefit is what everybody tells us when they start infinite banking. Man, I wish I would have started this sooner. Right. Have you ever thought that? Well, that's exactly what they proactively did is they started a policy 10 years before they had the capital. Um, They knew it was coming and that's where they were to proactively create this. But that's the benefit, getting 10 years of growth on that money that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Well, let me put some hair on that a little bit. So (laughs) I, I, I have an insurance policy that's more than 10 years old. But when it was 10 years old, I was putting in a dollar you know, just for simplicity, putting in a dollar and it grew that year, $2 and almost 10 cents. Okay. So that didn't happen in year one, right? I put in a dollar and I had access to like 70 cents of the dollar I put in. Right. And it slowly got better each and every year. It it is that compounding interest. It is the, it, it is the flywheel making 
one revolution after another, and eventually the efficiency of that system, once that ball is rolling, you can't stop it, right? That's right. We all wish we could buy an insurance policy that was 10 years old, right? Like if you if you gave me the option to buy an insurance policy, if any of you have a whole life policy and you don't want it anymore, call me. I'll be your huckleberry. I will buy it, right? Because I don't have to go through the startup phase anymore, right? So what we're saying is that you get a chance to buy an insurance policy in year 10 that you can dump in $700,000, but doesn't have a $700,000 a year requirement. But right. it's got the benefit of its growth being close to two, two to one, right? Right. Okay. I knew that's what you were saying. I just was adding a little little clarity to it. Thank you for, for helping me with that. The hair. Yeah, the hair you said you added. <laughs> I appreciate the hair. Uh, speaking uh, of Harry, let's talk, let's get over to uh, my, my favorite friend, Mr. Incredible, with the most incredible mustache today. What's your take on the windfalls? I, man, you know, one of the things that we uh, – when possible, we, we want to help people with is, is being able to, to take a policy and make it three years old in 18 months, right? Which is, which is a very similar concept, right? It's collapsing time. And the idea of a windfall that I can start a policy today that would ordinarily have had to have waited until that money came in so I can use it and start it today. And now I have two concurrent things growing simultaneously at the same time. Um, so that whenever the windfall does come in, I've got two season policies that now I have all this cash that I can do something with. Like the idea of um, like three dimensional is, is, is what comes to mind because I mean, that's, it's next level, right? Like you're, you're, you're thinking so far now into the future, not just what's right in front of you um, and how I can actually make my system expand and grow and use time on my side rather than feeling like I'm limited by time. Um, I actually have more time because of that. It sounds like time is on my side. Yes, it is. Oh, oh good Lord. Who sings that? No more karaoke. I did. I just sang it. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry about that, guys. It just, it just came to me. You just can't let that happen. You just got to get out of you. Once, it, once it's there, you can't, you can't stop it, man. All right. Point number three, 100-year planning. And now this... This is a tough one. I'm going to challenge each and one of you on this, coaches, because the 100-year planning concept, and I will first start off and say any any long-range planning that's more than 25 years is where we see people getting into the advanced stages. And I don't mean like every insurance policy is designed to go well past any one of our lives, right? They, They now go to age 121. And... There's not anybody living to age 121. So the insurance policy in of itself is designed to be long range. But what we're talking about is when the insured dies, right? That's when the insurance policy matures. That's when it pays out, right? Well, I want to talk about how do we and how have we seen others who are utilizing a long range plan with the concept of infinite banking enhancing their story. So Stallion, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to, I'll say one of our advisors has really challenged me on this. Um, his, he came to us and, and shared with us that he and a business partner had been in business for about 15 years. I'm guessing at that. I can't remember exactly. They've had multiple exits 
And there comes a point, some of those in the billion dollar range, there comes a point where you start thinking like, there's no way to possibly spend the money that you have. And so how does this outlive me? What does the legacy, what's the infrastructure that has to take place that the legacy will outlive me and even generations to come? And so he has a hundred year plan that he's put together. And he started building this out for us and shared this within our Passive Income Mastermind, which by the way, if you're an accredited investor and you're not a part of that, um, you can apply today. Go to wealth.wallstreet.com forward slash club 200. Um, this is this is gold that we're sharing in this group. And this is just one example. But within his um, 100 year plan, he, he had to stretch my brain from even what Nelson Nash, who used to tell us, think long range, right? It's a simple, he, that was his simple way of saying 100 year plan because he shared with us the same thing, right? He has plans well beyond uh, how long he lived. But in, in his plan, he shared how he had agreements and things that he and his business partner would have to build based off of the trends macro for like in, in life, like in general, what are people going to need? And so they build businesses around that. But one step further for us, even just this last week, Russ, we had somebody sharing with us about trusts and foundations and how those are the things that even could potentially provide tax strategy on top of a, a, you know, something that will outlast our children's children and continue to kind of be that thing that dictates money from the grave. Uh, for me, that is something that I haven't implemented yet, but it's something that I'm very, very curious about taking the next step on because uh, what we have been doing is building towards that and we have to continue to do so. How about you, Ern? What, what's your take on the hundred year planning? Got any, any thoughts here? My perspective is just listening to some traditional planners. This is the area that seems to be reserved for the super elite mm. or the, or those who are wishful in their thinking is the mentality in the advising world to the, to the common person. And, and here comes Nelson Nash creating a concept that applies to the average person where wealth can be controlled longer than just our lifetime. And, and where traditional planners would look at that and say, that's wishful thinking that could, that could never work. And, and Russ, I know for you, you get you get a challenge. I know you're going to rise quicker to defy that that limit. And I love that about this concept. Here's a way where where we can control. Here's a here's a way where we can buy life insurance policies on children and grandchildren and create infrastructure that's going to last for a hundred years and is going to, by nature of that being in place, not necessarily force, but absolutely encourage conversations and thinking to create plans where this would last. Joey, to your point of, of putting those either governance directions from the grave or raising next generation and the next generation to, to think in line of a plan. Conversations about money and the family. And if you just do that, <laughs> you will do well. If you do that and 
you you teach the next generation how to operate the businesses and generate the ideas that you guys are doing and your families rush Joey so well. I mean, that that doesn't seem so idealistic, wishful thinking. That seems to be something that really can take place. And to me, it's extremely exciting. Well, it perpetuates wealth, right? It, it's going to continuously do that through the simple structure of multiple generational policies. It doesn't take a, a, a genius to do it, which I love your point. It's not wishful thinking. Well, what I would say is to wordsmith your language there a little bit is that it's way more than policies. It's way more than life insurance policies. It It is building structure, infrastructure in a plan. It requires you to sit down and spend time, right? I mean, most people won't plan out their own lives, much less 100 years down the road. And they go, well... <laughs> It's not really that interesting to me. Mark, I mean, you started out talking about flying in Japan and the culture there. And, you know, the little I understand about the Japanese culture, I could I could pick piggyback and, and pick your brain to, to learn more. But it is a culture that is very foundational in family. And, and, and families not only live long time, but also it's important the values that they're passing down. I think you 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 said in the chat that you want to challenge that you can live that to age one twenty one. Do you right. think do you think Mark that maybe part of the reason why this hundred year planning is so hard is that we we live in a day and age where everybody is so focused on the here and now and they've quit thinking about the family. I would say part of it, yes and no. Okay. Uh, so the where my mind goes on, on the 100-year plan, the long-range planning, so I had uh, a gentleman, and he wanted to build a policy on his grandkid. So his grandkid had just been born. We've talked about this before, that the earliest that you can insure a human life is 14 days out of the womb. So this this grandchild had been out for 14 days, and he wanted to set a policy on his grandson. And his perspective was, you know what, this is great. I like this. I want a long range plan. I want this thing to grow as big as it can. Um, however, he also had a little bit of risk aversion in there. He also wanted to make sure there was a backstop for the next generation. And he wanted to build it such that conceivably, if everything went the way it was, there was an opportunity that the dividend in the future could be big enough that it could pay for the premium if the grandson was in a position that he could not make the premium on his own. And I thought, wow, that's actually a really forward thinking plan for your grandson. Not only are you thinking, this is great, infinite banking is good for me, infinite banking is good for my son, infinite banking is gonna be even better for my grandson, but he built in a safety mechanism such that there was the possibility. Now, again, everybody knows dividends are not guaranteed, but there was a possibility. And it was a really fun build for me to work through that it was not only a plan for fruitfulness, but also a plan of, you know what, just in case some stuff hits the fan, I want to make sure this thing doesn't crater on itself and become a potential burden on my grandson in that moment. Mm. So to me, that is a, is a really interesting long range plan. I agree 100%. I think you 
you hit the nail on the head with that. You, you start thinking about all these different strategies. I mean, my wife and I last year took the kids out to, to Salt Lake. We spent time building out our core values and what those core values mean. And why was that so important to us is because we were building that 100-year plan. We were building the things that would be passed down through the bloodlines. And Joey, you were talking about trust and foundations, and there's ways that you can actually build that to where the money can continue to be passed down because most wealth evaporate after a couple of generations, even when massive amounts of wealth have been created. A lot of times it's because there was no instructions given. The second is, is that they didn't build enough infrastructure around what they were doing to make sure that it was organized. And the beauty of way I've seen the infinite banking concept be used for those who are going down this approach is that they build a model to where every generation continues to be insured. So as those family members naturally pass away, it constantly is replenishing the pool of money that is being used with the instructions given within the within the trust or within the foundations to keep it going. And one of the things, one of the first instructions is ensure the newest generation. And, and that planning allows for stuff to happen way past us. And I think when you start thinking of impact and what you want to do, if you want to be a good ancestor, this is a, an idea that gets super advanced, but there are opportunities. And we, we've had some great examples to look at and to model as we start to do that for ourselves. Gentlemen, we've gone way long, but this is, this is a fun topic. IBC is an area that, it, Mark, you say almost good. I would say true lot still still learning still talk to people in the infinite banking community but every one of you are an expert i i trust that i would get on a plane with you uh, with ibc as the the thing that your expertise is in so final thoughts earn coming to you uh thank you we're talking about some some sort of expert level strategies that require expert level operators and as us coaches people who help people implement the infinite banking concept. It's our aim to help suit the strategy for the person and develop the person to be able to take advantage of more expert level strategies as they use them. So as you listen to this, the encouragement is hopefully you hear one new idea, but we know life doesn't ever happen on a straight line. We talk about these anticipating windfalls, businesses selling in the future. There's no guarantee that success happens all the time. And so it takes an increasing expert level operator to know what provisions and ways that we can continue to navigate. Yes, using the guide of a coach and the feedback of a community, but this is about the, the expert infinite banker, not the expert level infinite banking life insurance policy. And, and so my encouragement is let's be developing that we can operate these types of strategies. Yeah, constantly sharpening our financial IQ, right? I love that. How about you, JD? Final thought. Um, I have many. Uh, I love what Ernie just said, um, and I would I would echo that same sentiment. Just because you have the tool doesn't mean you know how to use the tool, and doesn't mean the person that sold you the tool knows how to teach you how to use the tool. Um, and so I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, having a coach that understands uh 
understands what you don't understand about where you're going, right? Because we've we've been there, we've, we've, we're on the journey ourselves, you know, maybe we're just two or three steps ahead. You know, we're able to see things that, that some people can't, right? Um, and so we can ask questions and, and better discern, um, you know, what, what the real heart of the issue is and then how to properly help you get there. And, uh, and so I think having the right coach is, is so powerful. Um, the tool is just a tool, right? Um, and so uh, I just, I think that's important when we start looking into these types of concepts, because at the end of the day, we're talking about IBC, but there's different levels of IBC and the tool is still the same tool. It's just how you use it um, and, and how your coach is helping you use it that determines whether or not if you're able to actually maximize its utility. No, no doubt. If you saw me on a snowboard and Mark on a snowboard, you would realize it has nothing to do with snowboard. <laughs> Mark, final thought. Final thought is no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And so keeping that in mind, the greatest coaches that we've ever seen, uh, they're not on the court during the game, but they help the players see the opportunities and they give them the freedom to pivot during the speed of play. So if we're your coach or whoever your coach is, they're going to help you see what's happening. But ultimately, it's you. It's you that are on the court, you that are in the battle. You are going to have to make those moves. But wouldn't it be nice to be armed with the information and the knowledge to be able to see the opportunities that are in front of you and then make the best decision based on the information you have? Hmm. Love that. Stallion, final thought. All this talk about the tool, just don't be the tool, right? Don't be a tool. Join a mastermind. We've built the place for you to invest in yourself. If you're an accredited investor, go to our Club 200, the Passive Income Mastermind, right? Wealth.wallstreet.com forward slash Club 200. If you're not a accredited investor and you haven't reached 100% of your passive income to monthly expenses, join us right now in the inner circle. We're actually about to jump in there to do a live Q&A about this subject. Wouldn't you want to know how to go deeper in some of the strategies that we just talked about? That's what everybody in the inner circle is about to get the opportunity to do. Get on a call with one of these coaches to learn more, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call. That's my, that's my last take. Man, I love it. Well, if you didn't get enough, come back. Come back. We, 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 this, this is this is every week. We just want to pour just straight knowledge as we continue to soak it in ourselves and then pass it along to you so that you can have the same confidence elixir that we have. And I want you to take action by following Joey's advice. Go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Got that in there before it was over, Joey. You didn't think it was possible, but I did. Good for you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode take action. Please rate, review, share this with somebody else. Let's beat that big tech algorithm by showing them what's up. The Wealth Wealth Wall Street podcast needs your help. Go in there, rate, review us so that some, the other people can find it, even if they didn't hear it from you. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.